Star Wars 7x7 episode 2073. On the Wings of Kiridax is episode 3 from season 7 of the Clone Wars. We're going to give you the briefing today and I hate to say it, uh, I've got some problems with this one. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode <laughs> and if you saw an unusual accessory on my shoulder in the opening if you're watching the YouTube version of this. Well that was the tale of studio intern Kato who is here in studio with me and yeah we'll see whether his purrs are picked up by the microphone but <laughs> We're here actually to talk about On the Wings of Kiridax, which is, as I said at the top, episode 3 from season 7 of The Clone Wars. This is a full spoiler briefing, so if you haven't watched it yet, then I encourage you to watch it, because we're going to dig into the whole thing. So... Here at the top, we will talk about just what the deal is with the episode, and as far as my difficulties with it, well, we'll get into that shortly, but... The episode picks right up off of A Distant Echo, which was episode two, where they have gotten Echo out of his stasis chamber, but now they have to disconnect him and get out of the Separatist slash Techno Union facility before they get overwhelmed by droids. And in particular, Wat Tambor sends in an organic decimator, which is this giant spherical thing that sends out all sorts of zappy sort of um, Tesla coil ball things and will utterly vaporize the flesh of anything that gets zapped by it. So yes, there's definitely a ticking clock for them to get Echo disconnected from the computers and get out of this room that they're trapped in. And of course, they do figure out a way to get out of there, thanks to Echo, who, because of the fact that he's been tapped into their computer systems, also has all the schematics for the buildings and all that stuff in his brain. He's able to lead them to a place where they can cross some, you know, very long pipe connecting towers at this facility out in, you know, the middle of, you know, very high altitudes with wind and all that stuff. And so as they're crossing the pipe, unfortunately, on both sides, droids show up and trap them and they figure out that they can call the Kiridax. Those are those giant winged reptiles that we saw in the previous episode. They have the distress signal, tech recorded it, and so they send out the distress signal and Kiridax show up and they jump on the Kiridax to escape. It turns out that the droids at this facility can pop wings open and fly after them. So they're able to escape them and get back to the village, but the villagers obviously are mad because they're like, hey, you said you weren't gonna bring the war to us, but now you've brought it to us. And Rex gives an impassioned speech pointing to what happened to Echo and says, you know, look what they did to them. You know, or look what they did to Echo, and you know, these are terrible people, and you can't be neutral in this, and the villagers promise that they will help, so of course Wat Tambor is extremely upset and wants to get his investment back, and so sends everything he's got to attack the villagers, which naturally doesn't go well for the droids and many villagers are killed. No clones are killed, so the Bad Batch is still intact. Rex and Echo are fine. And they drive the forces back after, you know, killing most of the droids and also these tri-droids that show up and stomp everything and destroy everything. Wat Tambor says, this is going to really do damage to our profit margin. We have to do something to earn it back. 
and that's where we leave things with the techno union. And there's a real touching moment at the end of the episode where the natives are saying goodbye and saying the Jedi will always have a home on their planet, which is nice. But Rex says to Echo, you know, like, I'm sorry it took me so long to come back for you. And hey, it'll be just like old times. And Echo, you know, is just standing there, the last person to walk onto the transport saying, yeah, just like old times. And this is a huge credit to D. Bradley Baker because the way he invests that just like old times voice for Echo, you can tell that he doesn't particularly like the thought of that because the last time he was with the clones, he got bombed at the Citadel and taken captive by the Separatists and tortured like this. So just like old times doesn't sound like a very good proposition to him. At least that's what I hear in the characterization provided by D. Bradley Baker. In that moment, it just seems very sad and uh, I feel for Echo. So I hope that there's going to be something better for him on the other side of this, hopefully in the last episode of the story arc. But now that we've talked about what happens in On the Wings of Kiridax, we got to talk about On the Wings of Kiridax because, well, for a start, let's just say that, you know, Lucasfilm doesn't necessarily owe us anything. And so when I point out the fact that the episode is only 18 minutes long and previous episodes of The Clone Wars Season 7 are 24 minutes long, and that probably also includes all of the extra credits at the end for all the voice actors in different languages in different countries, you know, like 22 minutes is normally a full show with, you know, credits involved. So it's already shorter than it's supposed to be, number one. Number two, I don't know that the episode was actually necessary. I mean, we saw them get to Echo and get him out of the stasis chamber, but after that, it's just the story of how they got him out of there. I don't think that anything you know, major really happens to advance the story or give us more information about the Clone Wars, about the characters. It's just like that one moment, basically. And you could have you know, grafted that moment on to a distant echo and said, you know, let's do that. Or you could have made this episode longer. For example, to bring up one of the differences between the story reel and the actual episode, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later, the, the mission is not sanctioned, right? And so there's not supposed to be any hope of extraction, any hope of reinforcements coming. And that is part of the storyline in the story reel version, in the original version, if you will, of this story. But in this particular episode, in the final episode, Anakin asks Rex about a call for an extraction, and Rex says, yep, they sent it, but there's no answer. So... What they could have done, perhaps, to extend the episode is, you know, show the Jedi Council getting that call and having <laughs> having a discussion about it, having an argument about it, having to say, yeah, there's nothing we can do about this, they're on their own, right? Or, you know, have the Techno Union complaining about an infiltration and have that cause some political machinations and maneuvering and complaining or some secret conversations between Palpatine and Dooku, right? There were other options to fill out the episode and make it more meaningful potentially and I feel like they missed those opportunities. And there were a couple of unfortunate continuity things as well, like for example, in the beginning of the episode, Anakin asks about 
Echo's state, and Rex says that Echo's too weak to walk. And yet, very quickly within the episode, Echo is able to climb up a ventilation shaft and walk through it, and then get out on that long pipe that connects two different towers in the base, and this pipe is round, so it's not exactly a great surface for walking, and it's at high altitude, so it's windy. And yet he's in, you know, no greater danger of falling by all appearances than anyone else, and in fact it's a Bad Batch member that falls off of the pipe. So, yeah, that was unfortunate, the carry-through of, you know, what Echo's actual physical state was. And then, once they get onto the Kiridax and fly off, some of those uh, D-Wing droids fly after them, and Anakin says, we gotta lose these guys, and one of the droids flies into a cliff and smashes. Three others are in hot pursuit, and they do a wipe and show the good guys arriving back at the village and the D-Wings are not anywhere around. So, did they lose them? And we find out quickly that they didn't, but yeah, I don't know. I felt like they should have either, you know, finished that sequence to say, hey, we lost them, or destroyed the droids and then got back to the village or something like that. So, yeah, uh, just... Uh, Ultimately, you know, I enjoyed the episode. There's a lot of, you know, good action. There's good fun. And the, you know, moment at the end with Rex and Echo was particularly well done and emotional. But I feel like they could have bypassed this episode entirely, unfortunately. And maybe they could have done something different with it. Or if they had added a few more elements to it to flesh it out and make it feel a little more necessary. Uh, yeah, that's... That's where I am with that. So uh, hopefully you had a much better experience than I did. I don't feel like I wasted my time or anything. Like, don't get me wrong. But I was just like, oh, I just have these things about it that just kind of, you know, don't particularly let me fully enjoy it as much as I possibly could. So after we come back from the break, I'm going to flag a couple more instances where the story reels differ from the final version. So we'll do that in just a second. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Razor, I've made some changes to the Asteroid Belt level at patreon.com slash SW7X7 and they are all with sponsors in mind. So if you want to get the word out about your business, your product, your service to a dedicated Star Wars audience, then please check out patreon.com slash SW7X7 and look for the Asteroid Belt level for details. Again, that's patreon.com slash SW7X7. Welcome back. So I talked about how the extraction hadn't been called for in the story reel, but was called for apparently in the final version. That's one difference. Another difference, again, with the fortune cookie, with the moral at the beginning. The original version was in war. There's no such thing as neutrality. The new version is survival is one step on the path to living. And apparently there's a scene where Anakin tries to bargain with Wat Tambor for their escape and Wat Tambor says no way and demonstrates the power of their organic decimator by killing a Poltec villager with it. Then later on when our heroes are on that pipe and trapped between the droids on either sides, Wrecker sees Kiridax flying around and suggests that as a solution for escaping rather than what happens in the final version which is Tech having recorded the sounds of the distress calls that bring the Kiridax to them. I like that choice better, so I think that's an improvement for sure. And then there's a bit about the battle at the end where the 
Village is, you know, the main battle scene for this final version of the show, but in the story reels, apparently our heroes lured the droids into a valley separate from the village, and that was where confrontation took place. So, yeah, uh, ultimately it's more dramatic, I think, to keep it in the village, so, you know, that makes sense too, but... Anyway, there you go. A couple more differences between the story reel and the final version of On the Wings of Kiridax, which is episode 3 from season 7 of The Clone Wars. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the galaxy you may be. Sunlight 7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.